Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as we go through our new series, Redefining Success According to Jesus. We start in 3, 2, 1. To them and to walk together with them. So shall we pray together for, for the Tumaini and the Masabit um, Community Chapel. Father in heaven, thank you so much. You are God above, God present, God at work, producing fruits in so many ways. And what a blessed thing to have a report from those Tumaini um, children and the what has happened in their lives and how you're working through them. And Father, we just lift that situation up to you um, relating to this year and the budget and the partnerships that we have. We give glory to you because you are aware of each of these young people. We give glory to you because you've enabled us to touch their lives. Thank you for the mentors. Thank you for the sponsors. Thank you so much just for the opportunity to partner with them. May you truly just continue to produce fruit in their lives and out of that program produce many, many giants. Um, not just succeeding, getting to university, but becoming giants of the faith, giants of transformation for this nation. And we pray too for, for what is going on in Masabit. Father, um, we've, we, we've prayed, we've thought about, we've wanted to reach out within Masabit for so many years and then you have done it. You have just walked right through and, and worked amongst us and, and you have raised even from amongst us people that would be there, would be part of that community and bring transformation. And I just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the witness that that is beginning in Masabit, a county where there are so few Christians. But here they are, the light and the salt of the earth, present. Father, may you bless them and may you enable them. And we pray very specially for this team that has managed to come all this way. Um, they've gone to many different places just seeking those partnerships. Father, we pray that your blessing will be upon them and that great success will be the outcome of all that is going on. Thank you for the opportunity that we have with them to partner with Ridgeways Baptist. And we thank you for the, the different ways that we as the community of faith can make a difference. Bless them and bless this word that I'm going to share today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we're redefining success according to Jesus. And, and in our book, um, Redefining Success, Omar Joandi says, gives this quotation from Mother Teresa of Calcutta who I believe many of us, most of us will have probably heard of Mother Teresa. And she says, I can do things that you cannot, and you can do things that I cannot. Together we can do great things. Or as Rick Warren put it, um, and he would say, we are better together. We achieve so much more when we are together. And in fact, in this journey of redefining success, I dare say that actually, I'd actually go so far as to say, because we are such social animals as human beings, there is no way that we will be able to do this walking alone. As human beings, we, we need people. We need community that stands together with us, people who share our values and therefore can, can be an encouragement as we go in a direction that is different from the way that everybody else is going. As the rest of the world is going down this, this, this path that the Bible says, you know, there is a path that, that looks okay, yeah, that seems to be right, but in the end it leads to, to death. It leads to death. 
let me ask you about this. Let me ask you to just to consider this. You know, what might help you make lasting changes to redefine success according to Jesus? These are your outlines. You have the, that in the outlines. That question is there. It's a really important question. You know, because my prayer, my, my prayer, my very strong, deep prayer is that what we are doing now will be something that defines your life going forward. The whole process of redefining success, that you will be having lasting change happening in your life. You know, what is it that would enable you? In, in, on page 197 of the book, Omar Joandi says, Worldly success and greed hide themselves exceedingly well. It might masquerade as you need to be responsible, wise, you know, provide for your family and save for the future or some other fine-sounding rationalizations. Worldly success is so subtle yet powerful, attractive, and addictive that no one can consistently redefine success according to Jesus without a genuine and effective community of people who are doing likewise. As with alcoholics, as with alcoholics, the rate of relapse is disturbing. The temptations will always be there and that's why we need ongoing allies. You know, this is, this is really true. And I can tell you this as a, as a person who has been on this journey for many, many years. The temptation to revert and to just look at the world's measures of success is so real and you can swing from one end of the pendulum to the other you know and you know for example over the last few years an interesting an interesting reality that i've been facing in the last few years is is how many people have been commenting to me you know saying that maybe you should become a bishop um, you know and some people have even been calling me that and started gi giving me that name and i've had a push and pull about this situation i've really you know on the one hand i'm feeling flattered that people would think of me in this particular way on the other hand rejecting that idea altogether because i'm afraid of being proud or afraid of seeming to be proud you know maybe afraid of of, of seeing this also as a as some form of career pro progression you know a thing that might look you know, spiritually very nice, but is actually just mimicking worldly success. And I've had to struggle with this, you know, from the point of view of, of how this can serve God rather than focus on me. Because, you know, a lot of the things that, that you, you might have heard uh, me say just there, a lot of those issues are, are perhaps more about me than about God. And I'm really thankful for the people who have walked together with me, you know, lovingly, sometimes strongly pointing me in the right direction that it's not about career progression. If I'm to consider these kinds of issues at all, it's not about status. It's not about appearance, the appearance of, of humility. It's not about me. It must be about God. And, and that's what I live for. I live to serve God. And when I'm there, my heart is at rest. I need Christians, Christian community to drive me to that point of God-centered balance. 
You know, you can be a part of the Christian community and find that even as you're walking in it, you're still holding on to those, those old things. You know, it's not just a, 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 a be-all and end-all that you just are walking. I mean, if, you know, you can be in a CLG, a community life group. Quickly slide into world, mo- world mode as you look at, you know, how your other CLG members are living, you know, the quality of their furniture, the kind of food they're able to give, the kind of holidays they're going to. And, and in your own group, you're starting to look at things in the wrong way. Guys, your foundation has to be, it has to, everything must start at this center. I am a child of God and radiating out of that is everything else, everything else that I am. I hope you remember this, this the diagram. I'm not sure that it'll, it'll be able to, to go up there, but there's this diagram that we had where we say our core is our identity as God's children. And from this Empowered by the, you know, by that identity, empowered by God working in the center, then we live for His kingdom. We live lives that are powerful in, in, in their generosity and making a difference out there from everything else. This is empowered. Your life is empowered from this center, working out from the core that I am a child of God. And then, as I said earlier, you know, we recognize that as human beings, we can't go alone. We can't do it alone. We are social animals. We need supportive community. You know, from the design that we have, you know, God, God knows this. This is how he set us up. And from the beginning, we, have, we live in society. From, from the family, you know, which is where, where, where the whole of this design starts to live out. And when he started this new thing that Jesus did when he came and brought salvation into the world, he started a new family. The church is the family of God. You know, we are brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters of Christ, but also brothers and sisters of one another. And, and this central identity, you know, you are God's child, is also a place that we share together as a community, we are God's children. You know, we are called to walk together. We are all belonging to this one Father, saved by the one Jesus Christ, our Savior, you know, brought into the family by one Spirit. Guys, this issue of, 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 of community, of unity as his followers, is a big deal. It's a really big deal. In, in John chapter 17, the last night before Jesus was to be crucified, when, when he was praying and he knew death was, was, was coming, um, his last prayer really was about unity. It was for our unity as his followers. Uh, it was so important to him. We become community, a community that offers the world a different way of living, a different pattern of success. You know, he prayed, make them one, Father, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved me, them even as you have loved me. That, that is Jesus' prayer. It's that important. You know, when we think about that unity, again, one, one of the pictures that we are given of the church is that we are the body of Christ. And I don't know what better picture to, to, to bring together this idea in our minds that we must be one. You know, just thinking about the body, such different parts, such different passions, such different roles that we might be living out. And yet, you know, walking together, all of these things that somehow work together because they are part of the same body, that body can change the world. That body can change the world. Today we look at the fourth marker of success according to Jesus. And, you know, the first one is being God's children. The second 
um, being kingdom focused. And last week, Reverend George shared the third marker, which is giving generously. And today, as you can, you can already tell, you know, we are talking about the power of community, living in community. You've got to be engaged in God's community. You can't walk alone. That's the underlying portion. You cannot walk alone, and, and we'll talk more about that. But we must exchange isolation and competition for collaboration. You know, worldly success calls you into a rat race. You know, you're not going anywhere serious, but, but you're always competing with that next person. You're always comparing yourself and, and looking, you know, who is it that's getting ahead? I've passed so-and-so. I'm looking. My life is better than this person's. Oh, no, I need to catch up with the other person. Guys, God's design for us is together as his family. You know, collaborating, working together to live out this one big story. God's big story. As Mother Teresa says, you know, our, our gifts are brought together. As our gifts are brought together, you bringing yours, I bringing mine. You know, onto this table there is so much that we can achieve as we walk together. Now, we know a lot of this. this. This thing that I'm telling you is not strange, that God wants us to walk together, that we are better together. We know that God calls us one body. So why is it so hard to actually live it, to actually follow and, and live out this? You know, I want to look at three barriers to redefining success in community and, and, and overcoming them. And the first barrier is individualism. Individualism. You know, you and I, we are in a culture that is really marked by, by this whole individualism thing. You know, the middle class and even others, we, we, we are, as the world, we are currently being targeted by this individualistic worldview. You know, to look at everything and, and all the things that are going on as all about me and mine. You know, we sometimes look at the world out there and we point fingers and we say, you know, oh, look at, look at all of these guys. But is individualism also a blind spot? for us as Christians you know often even when we are together even even when we are together collectively the focus is more on me as an individual you know most of the songs we think we sing you know think about them you know don't we use I me and mine you know far more than we and our and us many songs are about how God can make me happy and it's no wonder that sometimes that people will complain, you know, about how, you know, song worship went. You know, we think that the focus is us and how it's making us feel, how it's making me feel. You know, Omar Joandi shares an illustration of something that happened when he was at Nairobi Chapel. You know, a congregate went up to one of the pastors and, you know, and complained. You know, I didn't get much out of worship today. And the pastor, perhaps being a little bit more, you know, callous than, than we normally are. You know, as guys, we try to be very compassionate and an apologetic attitude. The way, you know, picking up the worldly perspective of the client is always right. Yeah. But this guy saw it so differently. And may, maybe he perceived that is a very different client to this. And so he answered, well, that's all right. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> you know, worship isn't about making you feel good. That's a concert. You go for a concert, you go for things like that, for that. Worship is about shifting our focus off of ourselves, away from ourselves, onto 
God. He is the one that we are worshipping. He is the one to whom we are expressing love and we are desiring to serve and, 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 and live for. And as most of us know, you know, worship is richest when it's done in community. You know, as, as, as a community, you know, I've heard so many people say, this was also my experience, you know, coming out from, from that time of, of worship, you know, when we were just at home and everything was, was just through our gadgets. You know, COVID made us kind of used to using our gadgets to be involved in, in worship. But then when you come and you come to be together with other people, it's like, wow, it's just really, really different. It's really different. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Bodies is plural, that's all of us together, and a, a worship, singular a living sacrifice. It's together in our unity, in our giving of ourselves to God together that we are able to bring true worship to Him. You know, think about your prayer. Individualism, how has it affected you? You know, we, we, you know what are the things that we pray about? What about our morals and, and our lifestyles? Isn't it more about me and my? But listen to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. You know, this then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us again from the evil one. You know, we are being told to keep our hearts and minds on the community the we us our it's not to say that me and my me I'm not important anymore but I must retain that perspective that God is concerned about us we are family can you imagine within your own family you know if one one child out of out of the three or four that you had just went and took everything out of the fridge ate what they wanted and spoiled it and then threw it into the dustbin you know how would the rest of the family respond to that and yet, he's just thinking about himself. She's just thinking about herself. We are family. Our second memory verse tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let's not go that path. That path. You know, I was, I was testing myself on this. Um, just asking myself, you know, how am I doing? And, it's, and actually, it's, it's pretty rare for, for me to ask God for things, you know. I don't ask for blessings, for, you know, for myself. I normally ask my main prayer request is to, to enable me to serve him more effectively. Yet I often realize I, 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 that I'm not thinking about others so much. You know, I'm not praying for the things that they need, you know, according to how they are. And so I'm ask, I ask myself, you know, how interdependent am I really? You know, how aware of the realities, you know, of the people, of, of the people around me and what they are, what they are facing? You know, I found that some of the things that I look at and I think, oh, these are small issues, small, minor. For, for Rachel, they are major, major. And, and I need to be aware of that. You know, when I see a brother sin, do I just pray for myself that the Lord would protect me, that, that I would not go in the same thing? Or do I cry out, Lord, forgive him? He needs forgiveness. I should be concerned because we are family. 
We are family. And what affects one of us affects all of us. You know, genuine com- com- community will help you see your blind spots. You know, when you think about the, 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 the issue of, you know, how to see the back of your head, if you ever really want to see the back of your head, what do you need? You need somebody to come, you know, so that they can hold up a mirror. You're looking at a mirror and then they hold up a mirror behind you and then you're able to see the back of your head. Otherwise, you can't do it. You need support from others. And that's, 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 that's what, you know, that's what will get you going in the right direction because when you don't know, you don't know and you can do nothing about it. But once you know, once you can see that there's something wrong, you start to do something. You start knowing what it is that you need to do and you take action. What is God's evaluation of where you are? Ask others to stand together with you and walk together with you to help you see. The second barrier is our independent decision making that I just make my decisions myself. You know, whatever I want to do, it's, it's, it's about me. It's for me to choose. We are independent of God. You know, Omar Joandi refers to it as a delusion. We delude ourselves, you know. That's Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. Guys really like that song. And you want to say, I did it my way. But did you? Did you? You know, nobody ever does it alone. They just take the credit. But there are always so many other people who have participated and have been part of getting you where you are. Instead, Jesus is our example. He was completely dependent on God. 100% dependent on God. We walk around independent of of, of other people. We become successful according to the world. And then what happens? We start becoming proud. You know, we we start feeling entitled. And, and, you know, everything is about me. Self-absorption, self-righteousness. Just think about that story that we've been looking at in in Luke chapter 12, verse verse 13 to 21. About that rich farmer who has this bumper harvest. and, And, you know, and then he just starts thinking, I've got it made. My business can be expanded. I can put more money in my bank account you know now I can just relax and have a good time and all of it is I, I, I and, and, and you know he's got this idea that, that it's all about him he doesn't need to refer to anybody else but God says to him you fool you fool you know that night he's dead and then all useless vanity it's all meaningless That independent mindset, by the way, can be really subtle. It can be really subtle. You know, I grew up in a Christian home where generosity was exercised big time. And my parents were both into impacting society and they did a lot, you know. But sometimes looking back, I question, I question some of the subtle signs that I picked up. Um, I'm not sure they were guilty of them, but it's it's what I picked up. You know, dad was a standout leader and that was so even among the people, among, among most of his regular friends. And he gave of himself all the time. He was giving of himself big time. But it seemed to me that he was, he found it very difficult to receive. And I wonder, was there pride there? Because so long as you just, you know, give and you don't receive then what you are you become a benefactor and 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 there's a form of glory in that but it can be all about you and that's not being interdependent even when it's not just all about you you need to be interdependent it it gives you great dignity to give and to help other people but it can rob the people that you are helping of their dignity they can suddenly find they don't have any dignity at all 
in a relationship where there is no give and take where you know one person is always the one giving and the other one is always the one receiving the one who receives is always in a deficient position Jesus gave he gave completely in every way but he also received he was supported by some women he needed water from others he needed places to sleep because in the, the bible says Jesus himself says he had no place to lay his head yet this was the king who made everything yet as living as man amongst us he was dependent on other people there's an independent interdependence that that he that he shows us you know and 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 even beyond this he continues to show us that by inviting us to give and to be partners together with him in fulfilling his work you know i had to unlearn what i picked up from dad you know learn to receive and to be grateful for for what others give not that i expect them to give the same kinds of things that that i have given to them you know that then that 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 is no that, that there's no balance in that that's that means that there wasn't a need in the first place but but accept their love expressed in the way that they are able to express it according to the things that they are be able to bring onto the table you know learn even to ask for them to make a contribution onto the table because i can do things that you cannot and you can do things that i cannot but together we can do great things you know i'm still in the process of learning this whole pro- th- this whole thing but you know god designed us not for walking alone but to walk together in community you know the model of leadership that we we often pick up you know celebrity hoarding power you know authoritarian lavish lifestyle everybody is talking about me you know that that culture christians we also get this way um you know we have christian leaders who become superstars but we are called to walk in submission that's our call even as leaders because you know people will always tend to put us into onto a pedestal to to put us over there instead we should be exercising a different kind of leadership you know biblical leadership in which we see ourselves as stewards we see ourselves as servants of the wider community you know Jesus said that the one who wants to be great among you must be your slave that's the pattern that he gives that's his example in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 the bible says for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich he wasn't focused on himself it was us he poured himself out for our sakes you know his whole life was was to enable us you know he emptied himself to enable us to be full to have full lives he empowered us that's the picture of a leadership that serves you know i've mentioned to you guys before that that you know i had my aha moment um in 20 in 2001 when when i started to view success um with a new perspective that my change in my career was not taking up the burden of failure for the sake of christ you know therefore i'm walking with this heavy burden on on my back but instead it was stepping into a new kind of success a success as jesus defined it and one of the triggers um was was serving a number of situations arising you know a, a, a death of one of our friends and a number of events that happened and and suddenly i sensed that these people these friends of mine that i thought had been looking down on me um, i realized that that I had something that they needed and i wrote a reminder for myself that i still have 
you know, in my, in, in my office at home and wherever I like to put it there to keep reminding myself. It's not having what people want that makes you important. It's giving them what God wants them to have. It's not having what people want that makes you important. It's giving them what God wants, wants them to have. And so to be a VIP, be a channel of God's blessings today. Serve God. And by the way, guys, you know, even spiritual warfare is, is, is something that you do together. You, it's, it's a collective thing. You know, like any predator said, Satan's perhaps his favorite technique is to isolate us. You know, like a lion does when it's hunting its prey. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And the lion strategy, you know, it's separate, isolate. <laughs> Dinner's ready. Yeah? Dinner's ready. Satan is looking for people to devour. And, and, and people, that individualism, we are already running isolated. Easy prey. But when you look at the Bible and what it tells us to do in our battle against Satan, the picture that you get in Ephesians 6 is straight from the Roman army. You know, people are putting on the, all this armor and, and that armor was designed for fighting together. And one of the core formations of the Roman army was what was called the phalanx or the, or the turtle. And, and they protected each other as they moved forward together in step walking the early church. Um, Acts chapter 4 verse 32 to 37. The Bible says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And then listen to the example. They want, the, 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 the Bible wants us to know that this was really happening with real people. And it says in verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now there was a person that when he prayed, you know, Give us today our daily bread. He actually was aware of the people around him. You know, <laughs> you know he, didn't, he didn't say, you know, his, his response to, to those needs wasn't, I'm sorry, guys, I just don't have any spare cash. You know, I've done that too many times. But he saw the need. He recognized that out of what God had given to him, he could meet it. He, he wasn't possessed, even possessive about what he owned. He was focused on God's kingdom. That's where his eyes were and how he could serve it through serving others. The third barrier is our poor role models. And the Bible says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company <laughs> corrupts good character. Poor, model, poor role models will mess you up. If the people you admire, you know, that you, that, 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 that you seem to want to follow all the time, if they are focused on the wrong things about life, they will affect your thinking. You know, it doesn't matter that you're thinking, you're, 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 you're saying to yourself, no, no, I, I just enjoy it, but they will affect your thinking. 
it will infect you the obvious solution to this to this particular barrier choose your role models wisely choose them wisely watch out watch out for role models and leaders who are not defining success according to Jesus and you know i'm sorry to say that many of us christian leaders we we should not be your role models adopt heroes whose whose practices who who practice dependence on god who practice interdependence in christ's community and you can read the stories that are mentioned in the book of billy graham eric uh, eric liddell um examples but remember you know even as you look around because there's so many examples around us but remember that you must not put anyone on a pedestal no matter how good they are they are human beings and they have failings they are weak and they are sinful you know don't be too surprised when you hear stories you know coming out after they've died you know guys you know the stories of Ravi Zacharias which 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 came out recently that guy had so so powerful a ministry it blessed so many people and then when we look at the stories oh my you know after he died these stories come out and what what we must remember is that he was a sinner he was a sinner he was subject to failure you know if you want to avoid those kinds of people you know maybe just pick dead 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 people who who will not surprise you um as your role models <laughs> but yeah look for the right people identify friends and and influencers and and one of the things is to look beyond our ethnicity beyond our community beyond even even our denominations um for people who will challenge you you know for me mother teresa of calcutta has been one i read that she had said early in life before she became or during the time when she was becoming a nun she had said i want to love jesus like he has never been loved as amazing you know and where 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 do you find jesus this is what she looked for matthew 25 you know jesus says i was hungry i needed clothes i was sick i was in prison and so she went to the least of these to the extremely needy people and that's where she gave her life loving the least of these because that's how she was expressing her love to jesus you know her call isn't mine but that passion for for the love of jesus i and i'm glad that 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 we as a church have been have been doing these things and that they become part of us you know in reaching out and helping the needy but the passion you know the, you pick out things that become your your role models so now back to you what about you you know what kind of role model are you because there are people who are looking at you and they they are hoping to see a model of life that really makes a difference can you evaluate yourself You know success is choosing to engage in transforming community. It's choosing to engage in transforming community. Our memory verse for this week is Hebrews 10:24 and 25a. And the Bible says, uh, if you could we can read it together. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Hebrews 10:25-24 and 25a Let us consider how we may spur one another on. You know, a transforming community is ready to cause a little pain because that's what a spur does. It causes a little pain. It causes a little pain so as to keep each other going along the path that Jesus has called us to. In a community like that, you know, my focus is not to protect myself but like a patient with a doctor to be open, to be truthful. 
you know, and, 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 and allow God to carry out an operation that's needed in my life with the help of people that love me and who can walk together with me. People who have refused to just let my life go bad or to allow my life just to become stagnant because we all know that it's stagnant for a little while becomes rotten after a bit. How far should my love go? Listen to Jesus set the standard of self-giving vulnerability. We are called to vulnerability that produces life-giving, true life-giving community. John 15, 12 and 13, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's how far, that's how far the love between believers should go. All the way. But how do we deal with the challenge of trust? You know, when we've, you know, we've got the experience of opening up and we've been hurt or we've seen people, um, other people being hurt. Omar tells us, you know, to remember that there is no perfect community because there are no perfect people, including you, all of us. So we need to have that in mind. You know, my practice is I recognize from the get-go that I'm always, always dealing with a sinner, just as I am a sinner. Everybody else is. And my security is in being a child of God. Something that can't change. Even though, you know, the things I do are, are misunderstood. The good thing that I've tried to do is slandered and everybody starts to look at me negatively. You know, you get all this nasty feedback. You, you hear how things that were done for good are being twisted and being maligned by Christians. I mean, by pastors. Allow God to be the one to vindicate. You know, he did this with Jesus. Jesus, despite being completely innocent, was accused and justly sentenced to death. But now look, you know, the greatest hero of all time. And we all know it. I start by trusting. Not even myself. I make enough mistakes. That's, that's who I am. But I start by trusting God you know, I entrust myself to him. 1 Peter 4.19 was one of my very first, one of my earliest memory verses. It says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue, continue to do good. There is risk, guys. It's, it's true. Transformational relationships can be painful. But we entrust ourselves to God who is eternally trustworthy. He is a safe place. Deuteronomy 33 verse 27, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The key thing to participating and benefiting from such communities, being transparent, inviting people um, to support us, to be accountable to other people. You know, don't start by expecting that everything will be perfect and that once I open up, everybody else will open up just like me. People aren't perfect. You know, don't expect them to suddenly, you know, everything just all of a sudden to change. But please make this choice, you yourself, to step through that door and trust yourself to God and invite other people in. You will be the first beneficiary and you will have done something that truly pleases God and recognizes his call to us together. And guys, don't panic also if you find yourself slipping back 
as you walk this path of redefined success. You know, even, you know, I've found many times that, that there are times when I don't want that sparring. I, I even seem to forget that the sparring of the Christian community is something I actually need. If I want to grow, I need people around me who will spur me on. And you may feel, you know, there are times when you feel like you're doing really well. And then there are times you realize after some time that you're slipping back into old habits. Don't despair. What you need is encouragement from the Christian community, people who are real and who are standing around us and, and, and helping us to live right. You know, Joanne gives, gives, gives the example of two, two friends. The first one was, was with, within their accountability group. And when he, you know, was given a promotion, was offered a promotion, he and his wife thought about it and came to their accountability community. And, you know, after some time in discernment, they, just, they, they thought about it and they thought this thing was going to ask too much of us. Um, and, and it's going to wreck. It might, it, it has the potential to wreck our lives. And so they made the choice not to take the promotion. And, and, and after a number of years, you look back and you see, absolutely, they, they, were, they had done the right thing. But on the other hand, there was this other person who, uh, I mean, who refuses promotions, isn't it? You, and so he grabbed that promotion and, and the result was suddenly his work um, increased so much, the number of hours, and he was always tired. And so after some time, stops going to church. After some time, the relationship within his family is, 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 is getting worse and worse. And within two years, his family, his, his family was gone. He was not walking with the church. He was not walking. He had no family. He had lost everything. Jesus asks this question, what does it profit you to gain the whole world yet lose your soul? Get up with nothing. You know, way back when we started this church, um, January 1996, the Lord gave Karura our mission statement, which is to be a worshiping community, helping one another to be obedient to God's word and to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in a needy world. And that helping one another, that is core. That is so important. We recognize that this glue is the enabler of what a church should be, of how we walk together as the body of Christ. We recognize this and so we are psyched up about community life groups, about prayer groups, about people connecting themselves with other Christians through affinity groups, you know, the men's ministry, the, the women's um, fellowship, the ministry groups, you know, whatever means that people can, we walk together. Because when we walk together and each of us brings out what we have, that's when we find the true power of what God is giving to us. Redefining success according to Jesus is engaging in community. That becomes a central thing. So this week, um, just quickly, uh, prayerfully identify someone who can help you to identify your blind spots. You know, resist those decisions that are based on worldly success and, and people who will help you to redefine success according to Jesus. Think about something intentional that you can do to move that forward. In your community life groups, I'd like to invite you, please, you know, during this week, you know, make that, have a discussion about what you can deepen your mutual support and accountability. Getting real and spurring one another on. Spurring one another on. And then read chapter 11 of Redefining Success according to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. Because Jesus came and showed us how to live. And his love for us was amazing. Thank you for the community of faith that you created out of this. Thank you that you have chosen to be called Father by us. Help us, Lord, to walk together as community. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.